Welcome to Vitalnomics, the Church Vitality Podcast, a digital arm of the Church Vitality Network. I'm your host, Gary Moritz, and joining me will be today's voices in church revitalization and renewal. This is a place to find spiritual health, active leadership, and finding legacy over longevity. No matter where you are on the revitalization journey, God is writing your story through His church. He's called you to do it. So whatever you do, don't quit. Reach out and keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. If you find this episode helpful, share it. If you have some helpful insights on revitalization, let's share them on the show. Now, let's get into today's topic. Peaches, the Wizard of Oz, and Georgia on my mind. What do those things all have in common? Well, today on Vitalnomics, we have Dr. Mark Hearn from First Baptist of Duluth, and we are going to talk today about revitalizing in techna color. And so this is a conversation that's going to help us think a little bit differently, a conversation of building a church of the nations, not just with the nations, but of the nations. And so we're really, really excited to have Mark on today's show. How are you, Mark? Doing great. And so thankful for your hospitality. Oh, it's awesome. I'm so glad. I'm excited for this because your church is doing something pretty radical. Many churches are not doing what you're doing. And so I thought today we can kind of talk about how you're really pioneering the future for what the churches are going to look like, I believe, in America. And so tell us the story about First Baptist. Just give us a beginning snapshot of what that looked like. Well, when I came there in 2010, First Baptist Church was a predominantly Anglo church, suburban Atlanta, a church in a fairly prominent, very wealthy community. Mm. Uh, But uh, the community was changing rapidly. It had gone from 90% Anglo in 1990 census to uh, 64% in 2000 and 2010. When I came, it was 41%. Now now the Anglo population is somewhere around 32%. And when you take the senior adult population out, it's more like about 12% Anglo. Wow. Uh, And when I first moved to Duluth, uh, my neighbors on one side of me are Malaysian, Vietnamese. Neighbors on the other side of me are Korean. Behind me is a neighbor from India across the street. There's a family from Zimbabwe at the end of the cul-de-sac. There's a doctor from Puerto Rico across the street from him is a three-generation family from Nigeria. And none of those people groups were in my church. Wow. And so I knew that we were going to have to cross some cultural barriers, some language barriers in order for our church to grow and look like our community. Wow, that's that's incredible. So a lot of churches, you know, as we've talked about in the past, are like in this state of attrition. And, and we've talked about this before, that we both have the same heart, believing that churches actually can revitalize if they're just willing to look through a technicolor lens. And so tell us, what is technicolor? What is that? It's the title of your book, Hearing in Technicolor, Having a Mindset Shifts with Multicultural Generations. Talk about that a little bit. What, what does that look like? What is technicolor? Well, the original title, Technicolor, came from an illustration in my first book uh, that was in the introduction. The Technicolor name came from the 1939 movie, The Wizard of Oz, which was one of the first movies in Technicolor and the movie that really pushed Technicolor into the mainstream of national media. And if you remember the 1939 movie, uh, Dorothy is a Midwesterner. She's in Kansas. She's caught up in a tornado and she's dropped down into this magical city that when she opens up the doors to the farmhouse, all of a sudden now everything is seen in color. And that's exactly the way I felt because I had, I'd been pastor for eight years in Indianapolis, Indiana, the heartland. 
right in the Midwest. Right. God picked me up by the power of his Holy Spirit and dropped me down right in the midst of the seventh most diverse county in all of America. Wow. A lot of people don't think about that in suburban Atlanta. Right. But the seventh most diverse county in all of America. And I've shared with you what our, my neighborhood looked like and discovering the process of how that we can cross cultural barriers, cross language barriers, in order to have a church that reflects its local community, which I think is the goal and always been the goal of what the early New Testament church was all about. That's so, so good. I'm getting excited on the sense that you've got the nations around your house. So it's kind of a random question. Like, how does it, how's the cooking? Because that gets me excited. The food, I'm just thinking about food from Puerto Rico. <laughs> like, it's just, it, it gets me excited. Like, so how's your relationship with your neighbors? Well, Duluth is definitely the foodie capital of the world. Yeah. I mean, uh, you can go to a different ethnic restaurant every single night and not touch all of them in a year. I mean, it, it's just incredible. <laughs> and then, of course, uh, our neighbors and, and our good close friends and, and church members who just cook extraordinarily. And yeah. So it it has definitely uh, been a, a delight to be able to taste the uh, taste the nations. Mm. I guess my next book I, I've got Technicolor, Hearing in Technicolor. I'm thinking about a cookbook, Tasting in Technicolor. I love it. I love it. That gets me excited. So in our culture, we talk a lot about emotional intelligence, all of that, but there's a cultural intelligence that I think a lot of churches overlook. And so cu- cultural intelligence is something your church does really. Well, and so talk about how you personally, as the lead pastor, reach the nations. What does that look like? Well, one of the things we do with cultural intelligence is we we have formed what we call a cross class. And cross class is held at our home three times a year. It's a six-week experience. It's less about the imparting of information. It's more about giving you inspiration to Mm. live a life of a multicultural life. In order for us to have a cross class, we have to have at least three Culture groups are represented. We have to have 30 years between the oldest and youngest member. So a typical cross-class meeting in our our home will have uh, 18 to 20 people from about 12 different birth nations, with the youngest person being in their 20s and the oldest person being their 70s. Wow. And the whole idea is is for us to learn from each other, to learn from our, our common experience and then learn from our uncommon experience and how we can how we can minister to one another. It's been interesting and neat to watch close friendships being formed across cultural barriers, all because of laying down those walls that divide us and putting things together in a cultural intelligence way in a cross class. Wow, that's so that's so good. That's encouraging. So you've talked about this before. I've, I've heard you in different sessions and clinics and stuff. You, you talk about the church should reflect the community. And, and so maybe speak into that a little bit, because I know there's probably some churches out there that are like, all they see is white people or all they see is a certain nation or color or something like that. And maybe speak to that pastor that's struggling, that has a heart for reaching the nations, but they, they don't, just don't know where to start. Like, how would, how would they start? Well, first of all, I, th- I think churches should reflect the diversity of their community. Yeah. So it's impossible for a, a church that is in a 90% Anglo community to have a, a wide gulf of multicultural uh, people join their church. Right. But I do think that they need to look at that 10% is there people that are hurting, that are, that are opportunistic for us to reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ and not to turn a blind eye or a deaf ear mm-hmm. uh, to those folks. So I think it's incredibly important to know your community and to know uh, who is in your community. A lot of people think that they're community is more monoculture than it is because they only 
hang with, talk to, shop with right. people that look like, act like, and talk like them. Yeah. Uh, so they, they've not yet learned that there are other things happening within their local community. So I think it's incredibly important to, to be a good student of your community. One of the ways to do that is find out from your local schools. It was eye-opening to me that in my first year in Duluth, I went to a State of the City address. Mm. Mayor of our city, Mayor Nancy Harris, is a member of our church. I was supporting her, encouraging yeah, her. That's good. And she made a statement that just rocked my world. She said there are 57 languages spoken at Duluth High School. Wow. I thought she had misquoted. I thought, you know, you've missed, you missed your notes. It was probably five to seven or something like that. I challenged her afterwards, and she told me where to find the data online. And now it's expanded beyond that. It's about 63 now. Wow. Uh, so just lots of language groups that are there available for us to minister and to take the gospel to. So expound on that a little bit. So how can how can a pastor understand their community to reach the nations? Like talk about um, I've heard you talk about the person of peace. So so maybe speak into that a little bit. I actually learned that from befriending some International Mission Board missionary personnel and friends. When someone goes on the international mission field, one of the first things that they are trained and taught to do is to establish a relationship with a person of peace. A person of peace is someone from the culture. They may not be a believer yet, mm-hmm. but they're open to being able to share concepts and ideas where they, they can be a culture coach for you. And so they're trying to find ways that you can connect to their culture. I've done that with several different culture groups within our community. For instance, uh, I became good friends with a South Asian Indian gentleman whose brother is a pastor in Delhi and spent a year having breakfast once a month with him coaching me on how to reach South Asian Indian people. Mm -hmm. He's not a member of our church at the time. At the end of one year, he came to me and said, Pastor, you've never asked me and my family to become members of your church. I said, that wasn't the purpose. purpose was for you to coach me. And he says, anyone who loves my people the way you love them, I want to be involved with him in ministry. He's now the vice chairman of our deacons. God has just really blessed us in a big way. So talk about in, in your book, Hearing in Technicolor, you have three sections. You talk about legacies, languages, and leaders. Like unpack that just a little bit, not to give your whole book away, but just talk about that a little bit. Well, the second book was in response to the first. The first right. book kind of told how we began the process of moving from a monocultural church to a multicultural church. And then I got kept being asked the question, how did you get people on board? How did you, how did you get people to adopt the vision? I brought on a co-author, Darcy Wiley. Darcy, a good friend of mine, and she interviewed 35 different people inside the mm-hmm. church, outside the church, about the reaction to what was going on within First Baptist Church Duluth. And we didn't have an outline when we began. We, took, we began the outline after we had received all those uh, interviews. And we divided those folks into three different categories. First of all, legacies, people that had been in the church for more than 25 years and were over 70 years of age, people whom the legacy of the church was incredibly important. The second group were languages. There are a lot of people that attend our church now. That We are the first American church, first English-speaking church, first Baptist church for many of them that they've ever been a part of. And they had to make a decision to step outside of their culture-centric world in order to be a part of our church. And then among leadership, we interviewed not only leadership within the church, but leadership in the community. How do they view what's going on at First Baptist Mm. Duluth? Leadership within our denomination, how do they view what's going on within our church? And we found that, that though similar, there are distinctive ways that they've adopted this vision. There are distinctive ways those three groups 
have moved through a process by which they became uh, not only okay with, but actually supportive of the idea of a church that is reflective of its community. Wow, that's so good. In your book, and I've heard you talk about this, it's, it's pretty cool. So a lot of churches are real big on assimilation. Uh, they want to talk about, we got to assimilate, assimilate, assimilate. But I love your approach that it's not about assimilation, it's more about accommodation. Talk about the differences there and maybe how we should kind of shift on how we're thinking about assimilation and bringing that into our context. Well, this is a major foundational stone of who we are as a church is that uh, we're not about assimilation, we're about accommodation. So many churches, assimilation is uh, if you become like us, you can become one of us. Yeah. And so the whole concept is, is to make you like us, make right. you in the image of who the church already is. Accommodation says is, tell me about you. Tell me yeah. about your background. Tell me about where you come from. Tell me about your culture group. Tell me about uh, what you value in life. Tell me about what you value in your spiritual walk. And it's the difference between ministry with and ministry to. Mm. Uh, so many churches have a ministry to people that are different than them. They, you know, uh, we, we go minister to this group. We go and have some ministry to this segment. But ministry with says, hey, we want you to come and become part of us. We want to join hands and shoulders and lock arms and, and say, let's, let's meet the needs of this community together. Right. And so that's incredibly important. So I know some of our listeners are probably, you know, they don't have a large church. And, you know, with the median age being 64 now in America, the average size church. And, and so with the attrition rate and all of that, I try to encourage pastors by saying, look, you know, Jesus had 12 and he turned the world upside down. So maybe talk to that pastor about, okay, maybe they're, maybe they're thinking wrong. Maybe they're saying, you know what, I need to find people like me to, for the church to grow. And, and maybe talk to that pastor by um, explaining to them how they can actually reach the nations to revitalize their church. Well, I do some coaching with uh, uh, pastors in the situation you just described, where uh, it, it may be that uh, it's a church plant or a church replant. Yeah. Um, resources are incredibly limited. <clears throat> People resources are, are maybe older and uh, uh, consequently uh, difficult to try to uh, energize to attract a, a multicultural crowd. Uh, but I, I try to uh, say, get out, be involved in the community, find people, uh, that, that person of peace who will talk to you about culture and find those people who would like to be invested and involved in your vision and what you're looking for and, and what you're trying to become as a church. And then help those folks that especially come from a, a senior adult population uh, to see the future of the church is going to be really meeting the needs of this local community. How, how much are you willing to help us make that happen? Uh, I've said many times our, our senior adults have become my biggest cheerleaders. Yeah, it's good. They really do want to see First Baptist Church thrive and have a next generation ministry. And the next generation of First Baptist Church Luth is going to be even more diverse than it currently is. And if that's the case, then we're going to have to learn how that that's done in this time frame in order to be effective in that time frame. That's good. I got one more question before we close out our time. And that has to do with what you just said about the next generation. So talk about the tensions, because I'm seeing this more and more between the grandparents to the parents to the grandkids and, and kind of talk about that tension and how maybe they need to need to work together how to find some solitude in their walk with Christ instead of a split. I get a lot of uh, folks that come from a language church background in particular 
that uh, are are very concerned about the the second and third generation no longer come to church or, right. or don't or absolutely made to come to church in order to be a part. What we have provided is an opportunity for a three generation family mm-hmm. uh, to all be invested, involved, and and try to meet their needs. Uh, grandparents who speak no English, we provide live interpretation in the four most common non-English speaking languages in Duluth. So we try to provide an opportunity for them to learn, to worship, and serve in their language group. Mom and dad who have come to the United States and really do want their children to be involved in an English-speaking atmosphere, and yet they're, they're part of a, a multicultural world, they have an opportunity to do that. And then children who typically speak only English, don't speak the mother tongue, right. and uh, are somewhat in rebellion against culture, are able to embrace their grandparents' culture, and yet be a part of something multilingual and multicultural at the same time. I think that that's true not only in our church, but I think it's true in any church. So if you're in a Spanish-speaking church, look at ways to be multi-generational by being multicultural. If you're in a Korean church, look at ways of being multi-generational by being multicultural. So no matter what language group or what group you come from, I think that that's the way that you solve this multi-generational issue. Wow, that's really, really good. I know I said I had, that was the last question, but all right, w- one more. Um, who are you listening to right now? Who should people be listening to outside of yourself? Because, I mean, you're, you're a pioneer in this area, but, but who else is, is kind of with you on the journey? Like, who, who should other people listen to? Oh, wow, that, that's a good one. I'll tell you one that probably no one's ever heard of, Dr. J. June Chia. She is with uh, uh, Dallas Baptist Theological Seminary, and she's doing uh, research. She did her Ph.D. in cultural intelligence. Wow. She's actually coming to our church uh, next month Great. Uh, to do a leadership seminar with our church leaders and then do an area-wide seminar uh, because we really think that cultural intelligence is where it's at, where people can put down their barriers and quit thinking of us and them and start thinking about doing things together. I think that's a, a very big deal. Uh, of course, uh, Dr. Mark DeMoss, uh, Mosaic International, he has actually been my mentor, my friend, my confidant, my advisor. Yeah. Uh, early in the process, when I was looking for someone to speak into my life about multicultural work, he was the one who immediately kind of stepped up. We actually took our entire staff to his staff retreat wow. in Chicago at their invitation. And they walked with us hand in hand through several processes. And I'll have to tell you, that was really kind of the embarking point of us having and developing a multicultural vision. So those are two right off the top of my head, but uh, there are others that I think you can have people speak into your life. That's really good. Well, I want to thank you so much for just taking time and speaking to our listeners today about what God is doing in your ministry and how you're literally leading and pioneering a great, great work at First Baptist Duluth. So to our listeners, I want to thank you so much for taking time to listen. And remember, you can revitalize in Technicolor. We'll talk to you soon.